time to relax. You know what that means. It's time for the show that doesn't have to take its clothes off to have a good time, but it will anyway if the price is right. It's the Original Janksters Podcast. I'm Kevin Jank. I'm Peter Jank. How's it going, everybody? Woo, yeah, Peter, take your clothes off anyways. Oh, thank you. Who was who was that? Who said that out there? <laughs> it was me, Phil. Hi, hey, Phil. How's it going? Pretty good. <laughs> also, Troy. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you can't do this to me. <laughs> Oh, God. Well, we're back for a brand new episode. The original Jangsters here. Um, we've got exciting things to talk about. I guess let's get into our first topic of discussion. Um, the little movie we watched this week. Why don't you tell people what you picked? Well, I've decided that, uh, well, let me preface this by saying uh, there was two movies that I knew that Kevin has never seen, and there was... Uh, I knew I could, I I couldn't remember one of them, but the other one was definitely Dewey Cox, uh, the Dewey Cox story, uh, Walk Hard. But for some reason, I could not remember the other one for the longest damn time. And I knew he hasn't seen it, and I knew it would be one that I thought was very, 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 very funny. Um, but I was always unsure what Kevin thought because I know he's not the biggest fan of fantasy. But then when he said never-ending story a couple weeks ago, I was like, maybe that was it, because I remember having to do with something with fantasy, and so does, and never-ending story is fantasy, so I was like, oh, maybe that's the one. Um, but no, sure. it was definitely not that one, and we almost decided to choose a disaster movie, which <laughs> uh, uh, I'm not I'm not terribly uh, happy that we didn't go that route, but I'm also happy that we decided to <laughs> choose your Highness. Instead, this is a movie starring Danny McBride, James Franco, Natalie Portman, and Zoe Deschanel. Um, this is just a weird fantasy movie. It's the same director who did The Pineapple Express. Um, and it's just their kind of like, I guess, parody of the fantasy genre um, is the best way I can attempt yeah, to put Yeah, sounds that. like an accurate description. Out of a scale of 1 to 10. Here we go. Let's see what Kevin... <laughs> My my sweet and dearest cousin will write this. Well, before we get to that, uh, let's just address. Um, yeah, I think we definitely do come at this movie from different perspectives. <laughs> um, like you said, you're a big fan of fantasy. Me, not so much. Um, every once in a while, something fantasy will strike my fancy if it's well done. Um, it certainly like I think it definitely starts out at a lower expectation. If it's fantasy, I'm like, oh boy. Boy, this is going to have to be real good to really for me to like it. But sometimes they do. That definitely happens uh, from time to time, for sure. Uh, also, I really liked uh, This is the End. Oh, but God. Pineapple Express, I tried watching recently and I watched about 45 minutes before work one day and was like, yeah, this is not good. Um, oh. So by the time I got home or next got on Netflix, I was like, I don't think I'm going to bother finishing this because that was terrible. <laughs> Oh, um, <laughs> so uh, that all being said, I went into this, you know, tried to keep an open mind, hoping it would, you know, be good. You never know, because you definitely were right on Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story. Uh, um, that movie is fantastic. The more I think about that movie, the more I like it. Um, that's definitely a movie I'm going to be buying at some point, because that movie is amazing. It's amazing. I like movie um, this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was so good. This one, I started realizing as this movie went along, what movie this reminded me of. It's a movie I'd seen in this past year that really reminded me of this movie. 
And I think that will tell you my reaction to this movie overall. <laughs> this movie reminded me so much of Holmes and Watson. No. <laughs> yes. No. Way. That's exactly what it felt like to me. It was just a movie where somewhere they were like basically trying to parody something old timey, but not actually by having any kind of funny bits or jokes, just by having dirty words every once in a while, and that's supposed to be hilarious. There are definitely dirty words in this movie, don't get me wrong. I mean, when it comes down to it, I think that that's where some of the comedy lies. It's just like, I think somebody like reviewed it and said, this movie is just a lot of dick and fart jokes. It is. It really is. And it's, it's, <laughs> which funny. I'm all for if they're good. <laughs> some of them were really good. But, in this movie. Uh, sadly, we're not. <laughs> I don't think I laughed once <laughs> the what? entire time. Really? <laughs> No. Oh my God! There's so many uh, parts where it's just like one anything. Oh my God! Well, we'll get through the movie. I'll talk. I'll start to talk this about this movie. Kind of reminded. <laughs> you know what the overall stylings of this movie kind of reminded me of as well was when we when uh, we were in recently in uh, Washington visiting Pete. Uh, we went to the comedy club in Tacoma oh. to see some open mic comics. <laughs> no. <laughs> and there was uh, they were all pretty terrible. And there's this one guy who just got up there and basically just opened up with my mom is a whore. <laughs> he didn't have any jokes about that. It wasn't like a setup for some funny jokes that were to follow. It was just trying to be, oh, here, I said something shocking. Isn't it great? That's about how I felt with this movie. This movie is definitely not that at all. There, this movie definitely <laughs> has a lot more going on in it than just my mom is a whore. Um, it's not really. Sh- it's not so much shock comedy either. It's. It, I mean, I'm not saying that everything leads up to. A I, I'm joke. not saying it's shock comedy. It's so much as just look. We said dirty things. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> like, no, not if you're not making it funny. Some of it's so fucking funny. <laughs> I watched this movie and it's just like it's so hard for me to not like watch it again right after because I can't stop laughing. Um. <laughs> And, I, and these are not movies. I, I will also preface this. These are not movies that I tend to really like. I'm not a big fan of like dick and fart jokes. That is not my style of comedy. Pineapple Express was fine. And I think why I gravitate towards this one more is just because I know more of the fantasy stuff. So when I hear some of that, it's like references to things that I may or may not know with a dick or fart joke to it. So mm-hmm. it's like because the the reason is it's like fantasy it usually takes itself so seriously when it shouldn't always be so damn serious you can take a funnier like like side path to things sometimes and uh like lord of the rings is very serious i don't think there's a damn joke in that movie um i'm sure game of thrones is the same <laughs> no, way um, not. almost every fantasy movie game of thrones does have jokes from time to time surprisingly well uh, the other fantasy but, yeah, movies I have, kind of like, everybody just takes so many things so seriously because everything is just, oh, we got to, you know, fight the evil or you got to defend from the darkness or, you know, all this shit. And this mm-hmm. has that same plot, basically. You got to fight the big, powerful guy or the guy who's going to want to be the most powerful being ever. But they just take a comedic approach to it. And I think that that's why I like it so much is because it's it's just something different. And for some reason, the poop and dick jokes just I can see make that. me laugh. I don't know why, but my God, did they <laughs> make me laugh. Like, I want to just cry laughing sometimes. Um, I like that they used a lot of That's practical the thing, like, effects in this movie as well. Sure. 
Um, they didn't. Yeah, go, that's fine. They didn't go with the whole, you know, let's do everything CGI. There's definitely a few CGI moments um, in it, but not mm-hmm. as many as you would think. Uh, there's there's a lot of cool effects, not effects, but like practical effects, I guess. Uh, a lot of puppetry <laughs> and whatnot. Um, I thought it was really cool. Well, I mean, there was one puppet. Everything else, like especially the like any kind of action sequence. I didn't think they were very good. <laughs> like they were very amateurish, yeah. which I mean, it's a comedy, so that's fine. But if it was delivering on the laughs, then I would have overlooked that. Like the yeah. fact that the story is pretty predictable. The action was pretty bad, which again, that's not what you go to a comedy for, but if it doesn't have the laughs either, then you're just kind of not getting anything. <laughs> People out there, it has both. I'm not saying that the action was spectacular, <laughs> but there's some good moments. Well, let's start it off. So basically what this movie is about, you've got two brothers that are princes in this kingdom of, I don't know what the hell it's called, but you got Thaddeus, which is played by uh, Danny McBride, and then Fabius, who's played by James Franco. The only thing I hate about this movie is the fact that their names are so damn similar, and then there's the other guy (laughs) that's in uh, James Franco's uh, group. Manius, I believe his name is. So I was like, what the fuck? Like, what? Really? Oh, there are other names in this world <laughs> that you could have chosen. Um, so from this review on, I'm just going to call yeah. him Danny and then James just to not confuse anybody. But um, <laughs> so basically these That's two fair. are princes. It's but- not like those guys really ever can play much of characters. I mean, James Franco sometimes, but Danny McBride is pretty much just always Danny McBride. Yeah, he is always Danny McBride. He's only got one speed. Uh, Danny <laughs> McBride in this movie is basically the brother who just doesn't do anything. He's uh, he's lazy. He doesn't care about anything. He just wants everything for nothing kind of thing. He's just this you know low life of a, a prince where James Franco plays the prince who's the more heroic guy and going out on adventures and questing and you know, killing monsters and all this other stuff. Well, one day, uh, the movie basically opens up with, see, it opens up with just funny stuff. Um, so we have, uh, <laughs> Danny McBride, he's about to get hung because he slept with, uh, the King Dwarf's daughter, I believe. And his squire, whose name is Courtney, uh, his squire is also a man named Courtney. I, I would probably venture to say that Courtney might be the best part of this entire film. Um, my God, does that guy, wow. I don't I have no idea who this guy <laughs> is. I've never seen him in anything else, but my God, does this guy make me laugh? Um, but, uh, Courtney's <laughs> about to get tarred and feathered. See, I never like got any read off of Courtney. He was just there. <laughs> oh, he's so fucking funny. <laughs> just like, <laughs> does, doesn't Courtney's head remind you the tip of a penis? And then Courtney just does the whole, you know, like tipping a hat, but as if like he's peeing out of the top of his head. It just makes me laugh so hard. Um, so anyways, uh, that's how the beginning of this movie opens up. Basically, he's about to get hung, and they end up getting away from these dwarves or whatnot. Uh, then cue, cue the credits, and now we are brought to basically James Franco coming back from a grand quest where he has now killed the, some cyclops from this grand master sorcerer kind of dude named Lazar. Uh, he shows up with the Cyclops' head in bag and a brand new wife-to-be, played by Zoe Deschanel. Uh, so they plan to have this huge wedding, and James Franco goes up to Danny McBride and offers him the sweet position of best man. Well, <laughs> Danny McBride, a uh, little, little happy, very happy. He's excited. Um, uh, James Franco says words like, 
well, I heard the best man gets to finger the best lady or whatever. Um, so come on, Kevin, these are hilarious jokes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for the hilarity to ensue. <laughs> uh, so, anyways. Uh, Danny McBride gets ready, and I guess one of uh, basically James Franco's right hand man um, is very upset and jealous that they chose Danny McBride, this piece of shit brother, over him because he's gone on so many quests with mm-hmm. him. Um, and while he's arguing and jealous and talking shit, you know, basically with the rest of the gang, um, Danny McBride overhears this and he gets angry and he decides to not show up to the wedding. Um, so he's lollygagging with a bunch of trolls smoking all of this weird reefers and stuff like that, where James Franco is uh, singing. Come on, th- the singing didn't even make you, like, giggle a little bit? Oh, I don't even remember the singing. <laughs> oh, man. So, That's a little impression. So if Zoe Deschanel is in a, a movie, she's always going to sing. And in the beginning oh, of the, okay. the ceremony, right. they're singing their oaths back and forth to each other. And Zoe Deschanel, very beautiful singer, sings her part. And then James Franco does his. And it's just god awful. And everybody in the audience is just like, <laughs> no. <laughs> like, you can see their faces like, this shouldn't be happening kind of thing. And it makes me laugh as well. Well, during the wedding ceremony, uh, Lazar shows up, and this is our first glimpse to Lazar. He's this, you know, powerful sorcerer of some sort, and uh, basically steals uh, back uh, this wife or his soon-to-be wife. Uh, we find out that basically yeah. Zoe Deschanel is this virgin um, who he has locked up in a tower basically all of her life, and she is going to be part of this ritual in which where the two moons will align. Lazar will have to have sex with her to basically make a dragon, and then he is able to control the dragon. I don't know, some crazy damn plot. It is called the, <laughs> it is called the fucking and I like that. That's pretty great. Um, I've used it in my curse. If only hand. James Franco would have had sex with her on the on the way home. <laughs> like true. this wall would have been prevented. All of it, correct. <laughs> yep. Um. Uh, so basically what ends up happening next, uh, and even this scene's pretty funny because like when James Franco goes to go cut, uh, or slice or whatever into Lazar, Lazar basically mm. puts like a, a slow motion thing on him. So he has enough time to kind of grab Zoe Deschanel and get out of there. And James Franco's fucking face, like his mouth is so abnormally large that when it's in slow motion, you you could probably see his brain. It's unbelievable how large his mouth is. And again, this is another part of the movie that just makes me laugh because it's just like, why? What shot did made James Franco say, "Yeah, that's the one. We got to definitely have that shot in here." His face looks so damn strange. Well, anyways, uh, Danny Danny McBride. If they showed his brain through his mouth, I would, then I would have liked this movie. I'd be like, "Wow, you did it." Um, I didn't think that was physically possible. But later on, Danny McBride shows up with Courtney after their little gallivanting, and they find out that Zoe Deschanel has been taken by Lazar. Their father, the king, has basically instructed not only, you know, obviously James Franco, he was going to go either way, but also Danny McBride to go with James Franco on this quest to go uh, re- uh, or rescue, not re, but like rescue Zoe Deschanel and also take care of Lazar once and for all. Uh, obviously Mm -hmm. Danny McBride wants nothing to do with this and he's being made to by the King. So this is where basically where the movie, I will say this is (laughs) something that was distracting for me, but I'm sure not for you is that the King is played by Charles dance, uh, who was on game of 
Thrones and was much better on that show <laughs> and was not wearing a terrible wig. Oh, that didn't bother me at all. <laughs> I don't know who that is. I think I've seen him in movies at some point, but I couldn't tell you. Yeah, probably. Um. So anyways, uh, so the two of them, plus uh, James Franco's gang, get all their stuff together and they start making their way, um, I guess, down down whatever road to Lazar's place. Um, so on the way there, uh, Courtney and Danny McBride are in a, what is that thing? A wagon. And they're living that life of luxury <laughs> and, you know, bebopping around and while everybody else is a horse and stuff like that. Well, their very first stop is at the Wise Mage's house, which if I don't put this in our Pathfinder game, I'm doing something wrong because the wise mage or the wise wizard or whatever the hell this guy is reminds me of Yoda from Thumb Wars. Almost identical. That's what this <laughs> That's guy the thing is. is it, I definitely thought of that scene, too. And I was like, boy, that scene was so much better than this. I don't know, man. This <laughs> this maybe, but this scene's pretty fucking great. So anyways, Danny McBride and James Franco make their way down to go see the wise wizard. And basically they're. Uh, we find we learn that the wise wizard is just a, some weird perverted creature thing. I don't know. It's some weird thing. I don't even. I know so much about yeah. fantasy, and this is I'm not purple. something I know at at all. <laughs> uh, he looks like a weird alien dude, and he's got this like glowing, glittery back of the head. Yeah, like an exposed brain. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it looks like it maybe fluctuates per emotion because <laughs> when it gets very emotional, it really gets glittery. Um, so. Uh, they start talking to him, and we find out that he's very perverted, and and he's like, "Come here, give me kisses." And James Franco gives him some kisses, and then Danny McBride's like, "I'm not touching that." And uh, James Franco's like, "Go kiss him on the mouth." He's like, "All right." And then when he kisses him, you can just see the glitter just going all crazy again. It just makes me laugh. Um, so then, uh, uh, so then he, the wise wizard, basically is sharing this like. Uh, I don't know, these drugs, whatever, this weed or whatever plant that it is, and it's supposed to make them see these dark visions. They find out that, you know, he's being held, you know, she's obviously with Lazar, and the only way to take out Lazar is with the Sword of Unicorn. The only way to get to that is to uh, find their way to this labyrinth. So the wise wizard conjures up a compass, and then uh, he's expecting payments now for this compass, where... They have to, uh, where he says, says some crazy weird riddle, and James Franco is trying to say it in a PG way, where da- when Danny McBride is just like, he wants us to jerk him off. And, Kevin, this is great. <laughs> this is great jokes. These are great jokes. I can't believe you didn't <laughs> laugh at this at all. Like, this shit is so fucking funny. Oh. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know what's weird? It's after I watched this, I watched the very Brady sequel, which I always remember being not as good as the first one. But I laughed my ass off the whole time. Oh, God, no. <laughs> There's something seriously great wrong time. with you then. There's something <laughs> serious. <laughs> well, anyways, I'm just going to try to keep this as brief as possible instead of trying to reiterate the jokes because they're not landing. So um, basically, uh, <laughs> they make their they start making their way towards uh, this labyrinth, which is past this town called Moldestarton. Um They eventually... Uh, get to a point to where 
they make camp. I believe it might even be closer to the Wise Wizard. And they find out that James Franco also has a squire, and that squire's name is Julie. I'm not sure why everybody's squires are girls' names, but I love that as well. I can't remember this actor's <laughs> name, but he's played in a lot of different things. Um, but mm-hmm. anyways, Julie, Julie starts to have a conversation with Lazar, and we find out that he's basically a traitor, as well as all of James Franco's gang, and that mainly because James Franco's right-hand man was not asked to be best man. All right. Um, <laughs> oh, Toby Jones is that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's his thing. So, uh, we... They... Arnim Zola from Marvel Universe. Oh. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's in there as well. Um, yeah. Anyways, we find out that... Uh, Julie is a dickless traitor, and they start making their way uh, as far, fast as they can away from the gang of, well, whatever, all of uh, James Franco's dudes. It's a crazy getaway chase that they just uh, make their way uh, away from them. Uh, so what ends up happening is they start making their way down a new road or whatnot, and they run into this place called, oh, God, what is his name? Watiti or something like that. Um Oh yeah, yeah. They're they're going into this forest. Yeah, the big fat guy. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah. So they find these naked women, which are called the white people, which is a fun. Now name. this pe- this part got me a little bit interested for a second. <laughs> yes, these naked women. There's a bunch of them, and uh, it also piqued uh, Danny McBride's interest as well, and just a little funny <laughs> banter between him and James Franco and uh, Courtney. Well, anyways, uh, so. They go to follow the white people where they find out it's a trap and they're then dragged to this place called, I don't remember what it's called, but some the tribe of Watiti where basically they're thrown into an arena where they have to fight this rock and roll guy. I don't know what this dude's thing is, but Watiti <laughs> is this yeah. big fat dude who's just in charge of all these white people. And uh, James Franco immediately kills the rock and roll guy. Then... Oh, yeah, this part is just special effects. I forgot about this. Uh, but Watiti, this is... Yeah, this is definitely where they get their CGI budget. Yeah, <laughs> I, like, I love the idea of this. So Watiti asks for his cauldron, and he's uh, it's like basically this black cauldron with this like yellow mustard goo or something. But when he puts his hand in the cauldron, yeah. the cauldron is basically the arena that they stand in. So when he puts his hand in there, out from the ground of the middle of the arena shows this huge, like, hand-shaped hydra so it's a five-headed like hydra basically uh, attacking all of them and at this point we find out that one of the men i put that in quotes that are also in this arena is natalie (laughs) portman and natalie paul this part's fucking hilarious too so uh what's it called Uh, the hydra (laughs) the hydra bites uh james franco and he's like, oh, I got the venom in me. I got to get this venom out. And he's like, uh, Daddy, so you need to suck the venom out. I was like, I'm not sucking the venom. You suck your own venom. And he's trying to, like, force James Franco to suck the own venom because his, uh, he got bitten in his thigh. But obviously James Franco can't reach. So mm. then uh, he has Courtney. <laughs> and then Courtney just starts, like, sucking the venom out. This whole scene is just so fucking funny and just ridiculous. <laughs> I've seen that joke so many times, though. I don't care. I've seen it here, and it works so well. And then Danny says, "Danny McBride says, hurry, spit that load out.'" And then he just spits it. It's disgusting and hilarious. I love all of this. Um, <laughs> I will say the idea of the hand hydra was kind of cool. I just wish it was better executed. And then this is where they should have had a dick joke, right? Once he dies and he's like falls into the thing, like his dick should have gone in there, and it made like a dick snake. 
I wouldn't have liked that at all, actually. That wouldn't have made any sense. <laughs> but I do like when they finally do kill the Hydra, his face goes into the cauldron, and then his face does protrude through the earth, which is kind of cool. Um, obviously, his whole head didn't go in there, so it wasn't like a crazy like thing. It was just his face. But anyway, so yeah. they, they end up taking off and getting away, and they make camp for the night in which Danny McBride is starting to gather a lot of feelings for Natalie Portman. And... Uh, Let's see. I'm trying to remember what happened shortly after this. Oh, <laughs> so uh, they basically make camp for the night. They have a conversation. He basically spills the beans on the compass. They wake up the next morning, and the compass is gone, and so is Natalie Portman. So now they have no idea where to dun, go. Dun, dun. They have a good idea of where maybe Moldus Darton is, so they start making their way towards the town. And once they get to this town, they find out that Natalie Portman is indeed inside of this uh, tavern where Danny McBride and Courtney have a, a quick sparring with them or with her. But also at the same time outside, James Franco is met with the gang of, well, his old gang, I guess, the traitors. And they yeah. basically capture him, beat him up, and then capture him and bring him to Lazar. Well, Natalie Portman also beats up Danny McBride and Courtney, but Courtney was able to uh, pickpocket her or whatever to get the compass. So um, they get out of there. And they start making their way towards the labyrinth. On their way to the labyrinth, Natalie Portman basically stops them. And they discuss that they are all on the same quest. And they beeline to the labyrinth. Once they make it to the labyrinth, they get inside. And the labyrinth is where the Sword of Unicorns at. So in the labyrinth as well as the three heroes is this Minotaur. Did this not make you laugh at all either, the Minotaur? No, it made me angry that they kept calling it a Minotaur. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. That also made me very angry. <laughs> I hated that. That drives me crazy. Yeah. Um, it's just like, uh... Not sure why they did that, but eventually, Danny McBride <laughs> ends up finding the Sword of the Unicorn, or pseudo Sword of whatever the hell it's called, Sword of Unicorn, and uh, Courtney is beginning to get humped by the Minotaur, and... Uh, Natalie Portman starts playing this beautiful flute, and the Minotaur is just mesmerized <laughs> and hypnotized by its lovely song. And just as it starts to kind of get closer and, you know, really in love with this music, Danny McBride shows up with the sword, sticks the sword through his chest, and the Minotaur is dead. He starts to try to cut off the horn of the Minotaur, just like his brother did with the head of the Cyclops. But Natalie Portman reminds <laughs> him, you can't cut the horn of a un uh, Minotaur. So he wants a trophy still, so he cuts off his dick and wears it around his neck the rest of the movie. Isn't that the fucking funniest thing ever? That didn't make you laugh at all? Him just wearing a dick around his neck the whole no. time? Oh, my God. No. I, I think I it's, it's to be expected. Like, what? half the comedy is, like, subverting your expectations. Like, you didn't see this coming, but you totally saw that coming. <laughs> I never even saw it coming. But, anyway, so... It's like, of course, that's what this guy would do. It's so funny. He wears the dick around his <laughs> neck. The entirety of the movie, then. It's so fucking great. Just, I mean, that's like 20 time. minutes left at this point. It doesn't matter. It's just so pleasurable. So, uh, they uh, they got the sword now. That Minotaur brings, penis, brings you so much pleasure. So much pleasure. Well, anywho... Uh, they start making their way uh, to Lazar. Well, they want to start making their way now to Lazar's uh, castle. And they pick up a recruit on the way, which doesn't last more than five minutes. He just kind of dies off right away. So it's kind of pointless for all of that. So um, 
So they make their way to Lazar. Yeah, pretty much camp. anytime there's anyone in their party that's not them, they get killed off right away. <laughs> They're just there to have someone get killed. It's unfortunately true. Um, but yeah, so they're, <laughs> they're basically killed off right away. Anywho, so uh, they go to Lazar's castle in which they finally find themselves back with James Franco, but this ritual is about to uh, start. Lazar, see, Lazar's fucking funny as hell, too. But anyways, I'm not going to talk about all of his parts. That guy is just so Justin Theroux, Justin Theroux is one of those guys where it's just like, he's never, like, terrible, but he's also never leaves any kind of impression whatsoever. He's just there. He's just guy. I've, I have just no idea. bland actor, man. I have no idea what movies this guy has ever been in. I have no, I've never seen him in anything else that I can think of. I may have, but he's he's got long hair and all this other uh, stuff. There's so many funny scenes with this guy. Yeah. Definitely left impression with me. This guy is just so damn funny. Wow. Uh, anywho. Um, <laughs> so, Lazar is about to have uh, sex with Zoe Deschanel for the, you know, the dragon baby and whatnot. And just as they're about to have sex, Danny McBride has already saved James Franco, and they, they've they made their way up upstairs. Now, there's a huge action scene happening here where you've got Natalie Portman fighting these three mothers or whatever uh, that are just, like, really magical. Um, James Franco is fighting, basically, the old gang, uh, like his right-hand man and all this stuff. And Courtney and Danny McBride, yeah. for the most part, are trying to either, I guess, kind of fight off Lazar to try to get him off of Zoe Deschanel just a, just enough. Um, which is another hilarious part where he's, like, trying to, like, undo the whatever straps are on Zoe Deschanel's arms. And she's he's, like, reaching over mm-hmm. her, and she's, like, grabbing the Minotaur dick to try to suck it. And, oh, the penis. Yeah. And he's like, no, 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 don't suck that. <laughs> I don't know. That part also <laughs> makes me laugh really hard, too. Um, That's probably the closest to laughter that I came. <laughs> it's just so funny. It's Still like, not enough to get over the hump. I... <laughs> it, it makes me laugh. Anyway, so um, they finally get, uh, they finally uh, stab uh, Lazar through the chest with the sword. And he is, uh, well, he's dead now. He's a dead man. And they rescue Zoe Deschanel from the <laughs> castle. They get them back. Uh, you know, you know James Franco and everybody, well, everybody goes back to back home to their castle. Whoo! And then the wedding ceremony basically. Except Natalie Portman, who goes off on her her, her own quest again. True. Yes, uh, she goes to go find some bandits or whatnot. So uh, the other three definitely make their way back to the homeland. They get home. They get married, uh, and then. Uh, Danny McBride goes upstairs because he got some, I guess, marital oils. I don't know. Some weird oils as a gift or something like that to go, uh, strum his, oh, what do they, what do you call him? I don't remember. Strum his, strum his penis. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's like poetry in motion. It's beautiful. <laughs> um, so he's about to go to town and then lo and behold, Natalie Portman shows up. And basically says, you know, they, they kiss and they want to, you know, maybe do some some dirty bits and dirty stuff. But Natalie Portman then shows Danny McBride that she's wearing a chastity belt and that it's being it, that it's locked and cursed from some weird witch that she wants to go kill. And Danny mm-hmm. McBride and her go off and try to kill her. And that's basically how this movie ends. Um, I, I, I love There's one thing we didn't mention. I was. 
very confused by. Like, why did James Franco have a robot bird? Oh, I like that little mechanical bird. Simon. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. It's a mechanical They bird. didn't have robots back then. This doesn't even make sense for fantasy. No, even in fantasy, there's a lot of, like, steam-powered stuff and mechanical stuff. Um, I To me, I'm not the biggest fan of, like, that stuff in there, but it seems like every single time... I'm, they, it's like clockwork stuff is what it's called most of the time or steam, <laughs> steam powered stuff. Most of the time it's like clockwork stuff. So like you'll find a lot of like robots and like even like Skyrim, they have like clockwork golems and clockwork machinery and shit like that. So there's definitely robots and steam powered stuff. Sometimes they'll also associate themselves like like robots will be controlled by like this arcane magic that will also give them power to okay. do stuff. So. I don't know how Simon was powered. I don't know. But, like, me, for me seeing it, it doesn't take me completely out. I'm not the biggest fan of robots in fantasy. I don't want to see tech, technology in fantasy, but uh, it doesn't also <laughs> throw me out of it. But, yeah, I can see your confusion. I want them all to have cell phones. Yeah. <laughs> make it easier. Hey, Lazar, can you, <laughs> hey, can you do me a big favor, my dude? Can you bring, can you bring back Zoe Deschanel? <laughs> I mean, she's not going to be that good. She's, like, gluten-free and vegan. <laughs> She's now a hipster. I'm sorry. <laughs> lactose intolerance. It boggles my mind <laughs> that you're like, this is a good Zoe Deschanel movie, but Elf isn't, which is a classic that everyone loves. I'm not, I don't completely hate Elf. I just, I'm not saying that this is also a good Zoe Deschanel movie. I'd like the parts of Zoe Deschanel in here, but I wouldn't call this a Zoe Deschanel movie. I call it a James Franco and well, yeah, Danny McBride movie. Starring vehicle for Zoe <laughs> Deschanel. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I would still choose this one over Elf, though, any day. Oh, sorry, Binks. I just kicked her in the head. Ah. Um, oh, no. I mean, Podcast is deadly. Yeah, Banks. they can be. Sorry, Banks. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I really like this movie. This movie just makes me laugh for, all the way through. And it, it it's, I don't know. I don't know why it's just good for me, I guess. I mean, you've shown me some lame movies so far, <laughs> so maybe I had to show you one of my lame movies. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I mean, they're not all going to be winners, but yeah. <laughs> At least, at least I made it through it. At it's least just, now we know the answer to whether true. or not I like this movie or not. But there's so many good <laughs> parts in the movie, um, like a lot of different stuff, like the the banter between Zoe Deschanel and Lazar in the tower, which is really funny. Uh, one of the things I always quote, uh, still to this day, after the very first time I've seen it, is when, um, oh damn it, it's uh, uh fuck when. James Franco, James Franco and Danny McBride are in the tent. Danny McBride eats the heart of this weird beast thing as an initiation, but they find out it was, or he finds out it was just a joke. And James Franco is just trying to kind of like woo him, just like, no, you, it was great. You did an amazing job. And Danny McBride's like, no, 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 I didn't eat the heart, or I didn't want to eat the heart, but you guys made me eat the heart. And he's like, no, you did a wonderful job. It was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> No, but he says it was perfect. That's how I say perfect from now on because I can't stop fucking thinking of that scene. Um, uh, there's something that Zoe Deschanel says too. That's uh, another thing that I always say, um, but I can't fucking remember what it is. Um, I'll probably remember Dang. it later. But yeah, there's 
there's so many good quotable moments in this movie. I just really enjoyed this movie from top to bottom. The Wise Wizards just so fucking I think funny. The, uh, <laughs> I think the fake British accents didn't help it any. Yeah, that's bad. Um, and just... Yeah, <laughs> they definitely didn't help the comedy any. Like, even a line that could have been funny, just the way they said it. And, like, neither of the two of them really were very... They weren't selling it very much. They were just kind of very laid back and just kind of like they didn't feel like they were trying very hard. <laughs> it didn't feel like anyone in this movie really was trying that hard and really wanted to be there. Uh, honestly, I completely agree with that. And I think that that's part of the reason why I like this. It's just like a bunch of actors that are like, you know, class A actors that just don't give a damn. And I feel like yeah. even though I should probably hate it, I don't. and this is just my preference. I don't think anybody should also like this because... If you're acting and you're getting paid to act, I mean, at least give the people, you know, what they paid for. But it, for, for me, it just kind of works. Just them not trying in their terrible accents. It's just like, yeah, it's bad. I get it. And I think that's why I like it a little bit more. It's just how bad it is. <laughs> this should have been a B-rated movie is what this movie should have been. It should have been a B-rated movie with a yeah. really low budget. And just, it just, for some reason, it's like a, a good good budget movie. <laughs> some reason actually has big actors and yeah they yeah, actually yeah. went all out yeah but overall um yeah i don't know. i like this movie a lot danny mcbride for me is one of those guys that i don't know that i've ever really been like oh man he's the best like i don't think he really does it for me no i actually hate danny and mcbride james franco is very spotty <laughs> like he was good in like disaster artists and stuff and even that uh that stephen king adaptation like Eleven twenty nine sixty two or whatever the hell that thing was called, where he went back in time to try to stop the Kennedy assassination. Like that was pretty good. Thought he was all right in that, but he's uh, very spotty. <laughs> I've seen him in a couple other movies, but yeah, I, I can see that he's just a weird actor. I liked him in Pineapple Express, but like I said, I'm not the biggest fan. Danny McBride, I don't like at all, but I liked him in this movie. Yeah. I think just his part just worked because he just reminds me of a guy who doesn't give a shit and he doesn't want to do anything. I was like, all right, perfect. You got the part. <laughs> you're going to be playing. You're going to be playing a, fella, a young character who doesn't give a shit and is very lazy. It's like, oh, perfect. You found the right actor. Perfect. Uh, Courtney, I don't know who you this come actor to the was. right place. I tried looking him up and I think he is actually British from what I've gathered. And I think he does like a lot of British TV or voice acting and stuff like it that. It wasn't Stephen merchant was it no now that i think of it that doesn't kind of look like that um oh okay (laughs) but yeah courtney i really enjoy i thought he was very very funny um i i like the part when uh danny mcbride says make faces to make me feel better and he starts doing all these faces he's like (laughs) then he does a weird one with his mouth he's like no no not triangle face i hate triangle face um I don't, I don't even know. know what triangle face is. But I, if you see the face, you would immediately be like, yeah, that looks like triangle face. Um, I don't know. There's just a lot of great great stuff in there. I wish I could remember the Zoe Deschanel line. That's line so funny. Oh, I don't believe yeah. you. That's what it is. I say Maybe that a lot, too. Uh, Lazar, <laughs> Lazar basically what? tricks. Yeah, That's such a... I know. It's such a weird one, but the way she says it, it's not that it's funny. It just sticks with me. But, like, Lazar is basically telling... How did she say it? Oh, I'll tell you in a second. Uh, Lazar basically uh, is telling Zoe Deschanel that James Franco goes out and has all these orgies, and he has now uh, acquired fungus on his penis. And Zoe Deschanel says, I don't believe you. (laughs) 
in her terrible English accent. <laughs> and uh, I think that's what does it for me. I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Anyways, but that's your highness. The fact that it's Zoe Deschanel that really helps. I th- it it's probably is. I don't know, you. but yeah. <laughs> it was perfect. <laughs> but yeah your highness is pretty great i love that's making movie. me laugh more than the movie did oh god it's so funny <laughs> but yeah your highness i i find this great but yeah from what i understand it's not a very well received movie um so take it as yeah take it as you take it as you want i suppose if you like fantasy i don't fucking know who this is for it's for me <laughs> i like it <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely for you. So at least they got some money out of this. Yeah, some good and some good fans. At least one. They got me. <laughs> I did. I did. Get the I mean, DVD. it's definitely like there are good fantasy comedies out there. Obviously, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. It's great. Princess yeah. Bride. Great. Yeah. I don't Hello know from the Magic Tavern. Yes, but it's great. That is great. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Hello from Magic Tavern is a very, very great one. I like that show a lot. Yeah, that show is so good. Yeah, all righty. Well, but yeah, this one just didn't quite do it for me, but we'll see. <laughs> Did you like when Natalie Portman decided to bathe in the lake? Was that okay for you? <laughs> I didn't hate it. Good, good. <laughs> all righty. I mean, it wasn't as cool as the Watiti, the white people. <laughs> Watiti. Yeah, that's true, too. <laughs> They're the best part of the whole movie. There's boobage. There's boobage. <laughs> I love that movie. So For funny. sure was. I'm going to put the wise wizard in uh, Pathfinder. He'll be funnier. I'll make him funnier. <laughs> okay, good. Hopefully it'll be better voice work. I like that. Even that voice sounded like oh, laid back so and pointless. <laughs> Just twist the tip to punch it. <laughs> Like, what the fuck does that mean? Twist the tip and punch it. Uh, all righty. What, what's oh, next? Oh, boy. Um. Well, do you want to do round four of the 80s classic rock tournament? Uh, nope. I didn't know you even sent it to me. <laughs> Damn. Uh, yeah, I did probably, you know, a week ago or whatever it was, but. Oh, damn it, dude. Sorry. All right. Well, we'll put that on hold. <laughs> Turn the page. Let's, uh, let's <laughs> go to plan C. Um, let's do some album Shit. artwork. Okay. Um, what would you like to do so, for album artwork this week? I wanted to do Melancholy. Oh, you sent it. Oh, August yes. 1st. It is the 12th. Oh, yeah. That was a while ago. Oh, that's right. That's so right. Probably, oh, because we didn't do a show last yeah, week. Yeah, because I was camping yeah. last weekend. Yeah. So, yeah, my bad. I'll definitely listen yep. to it, though. I'm sorry. Shame on me. There better not be any oh, no worries. bullshit on there. Um, <laughs> I hate when there's bullshit. <laughs> All right. So let's do some Mill and Colin. I'm very happy to do Mill and Colin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one's going to be good times. All right. So let me just pull up their Wikipedia's. They've got some great ones and some weird ones, and <laughs> mm-hmm. starting off with a really great one. Oh god, I love this first one. Uh, 
is it the Tiny Toons or Life on a Plate? The, uh, Tiny Toons. All right. Hold on a second. Million Colin album art. Good podcasting right now. Tiny Toons. <laughs> Nobody Gotta cares. love that type. Type, 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 type. All right, yes. Tiny, oh Recorded at Unisound Studios in Orbro, Orbro, Sweden. That's important. <laughs> All right, so the first one is the Tiny Tunes. Uh, so yeah, looking it, at this artwork, it's basically like the Tiny Tunes cartoon from back in the day. I don't know what the hell Google did to their images, yep. but they fucked this shit up <laughs> real bad. Like, I like it when I... Oh, no press the button oh yeah i know what you're talking about and i can look the at the weird it. side a, yeah pop what, up. what the fuck is there a way to go back can i never see this again like this because <laughs> not it, that i found so far oh my god man like i i'm trying to enlarge the image but i can't see it because it just goes to the side it's like oh you want to see it over here yeah. instead no i don't i want to see it bigger <laughs> i mean mine is bigger usually so uh, I don't know why yours is the same size. It's but... about the same size. It is almost identical to this. It's uh, just about maybe one and a half times bigger. So Google, you fucked it yeah, up. Yeah, that's probably about. Yep, you had a good thing going. I don't know why everything needs to change all their format every like couple months. It's not broke. Don't fix it. I'm so angry right now. Anyways, Tiny Toons. It is basically the Tiny Toon <laughs> uh, adventures from the old 90s show, whatever, from uh, WB. Uh, looks like we got a little man yeah. with a little hat, and he's got his hands out there just like the old Buster Bunny. And it uh, looks amazing. I think this guy was kind of like the uh, kind of like their logo for a little bit at the beginning. Just this like skateboarder kid it was kind of like their... Uh... Their mascot almost for a little bit until it became something <laughs> those very amazing. very early days. Um, yeah. Oh God. Yes. <laughs> all right. So, uh, but this one's great. It's colorful. It's reminiscent of a show I love. So automatically, that means it's good. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, dude. I'm giving this tens all the way around. I love everything about this. It's a play on words. It's a an amazing just logo. It reminds me. It's just nostalgic. Um, the combination mm-hmm. between the two. It's just. It's cohesive. I mean, I can't even say it's dead on. It, it's it's just perfect. So I can't. Yeah, I can't say anything else. And I the fact just... that tunes spelled this way does make sense for music. Just really yes. fucking sells it all the much more harder. So it's a beautiful <laughs> thing. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I'm going to give it straight tens as well. We're agreed there. Good. I guess this apparently, according to Wikipedia, this one got them in, you know, hot water, though, because they were so close to Tiny Toons. <laughs> I guess Tiny Toons was not happy about it. Mm, yeah, I could see that. I mean, it just got them in legal trouble. Ah, the- but it's parody. So I I feel like, you know what? Fuck it. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who gives a shit? All right. Yeah. Cool. Next one. We have Life on a Plate. This one's on another really cool album cover. Oh, yeah. Um, so the album this introduces art, their real mascot. Yes. So basically we've got like a blue background. We've got their name and the title of the album, uh, you know, top and then bottom. And in the center, we have a plate with a dead chick fork on the left side, yeah. knife on the <laughs> right side. Um, this begins their mascot ish kind of dude. Not sure if it's anything other than just a dead chicken mascot, but. It's pretty great. Yeah, with that 
fixes over the eyes, so you know it's dead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, life on a plate. What do you think? What are you thinking? Uh, let's see. Artwork. I really like it. I actually have this artwork on a hat, uh, so that's pretty strong for me. <laughs> Obviously, I like it. Um, so, I'm going to give it probably... The art of the name. I gotta give it a ten. This one's a classic to me. Just the art alone. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go ten. I'm gonna go nine. I think it's great art, but I don't know if it's ten worthy. That's fair. I don't argue with that. All right, life on a plate. I like the title a lot. I'm gonna give that an eight. Yeah, that's certainly original. Um, I think yeah, I like that too. I'll give it an eight. And this is another like weird play on words. Um, it's not so much life on a plate, but like a dead chicken that used to be alive <laughs> uh-huh. on a plate. And I, yep. Usually, I'm against this. It but is. For this, it for, it was a life, and it's on your plate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it's. The, I'm going to give this one a nine, a very high number here. Oh wow! Look at this. As the al- uh, Swedish magazine also named its cover art as. The- Album cover of the year for 1995. Oh, wow. well, I guess that's just for Sweden. So I don't know what the choices were. Yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, okay. So what are we giving it? I'm giving it a uh, say probably a ten. I'm gonna give it a nine for myself. Pretty high okay. up there. Yeah, I think that one. Like I said, it's not specifically showing that, but I mean, it kind of is, so that's... Yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) I'm going with it, it is showing it, so... All right, next one we have four monkeys. This is another play on words. Yeah. I like this one. Yep. Um, All right, so basically... Four monkeys on the cover. Yep, and it looks like they're on some sort of a stage. They're all just kind of uh, wearing these little straw hats or whatever hats they are. And yeah, just kind of chilling, monkey like. Um, it's very black art or black cover for the most part, with the colorful <laughs> monkeys just on the. You know, so you're stage. gonna give it a high score. It's gonna get an eleven. My first eleven. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm gonna give this one. Mm, I'm gonna give it an eight uh, for album art. Yeah, uh, I think that's about right. It's really cool. As far uh, as the title four monkeys is I'm, not spelled out like the number four. Yeah. I, and I love everything about this. Uh, so it looks like there's four <laughs> monkeys on the cover because there are four monkeys. Um, and I love the play on words, but it's like they're selling the CD for monkeys. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I love that as Mill well. Mill and Colin for monkeys. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to go with a 10 on this one. Honestly, I really like this whole idea here i do too it's kind of like you know when they had like microsoft windows for dummies yeah but it's millencolin for monkeys <laughs> um and as far <laughs> as the uh the wombo com between the two we can give this another 10 man ah uh, yeah I, I can't really find a good reason to argue with you on that one though it's those definitely are monkeys though it doesn't say <laughs> And it's not spelled four, four monkeys, but, but it's, I know. there's four. It works. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a play on words. So, yeah. Yep. Definitely. Uh, Sounds uh, good. Now, this is when the albums start getting really good. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if the album artwork is quite as good as those originals, but. 
I actually do like the artwork on this one. Yeah, I like the artwork on this one as well. So this one is Pennybridge Pioneers. Uh, Basically, we got all four of the uh, band members on here. And it kind of reminds me of like uh, old 70s, maybe like cover, like poster art, where you basically got all four of them. They're just headshots. Mm. And in between them all, is like different things going on. You've got some dice being rolled. You've got them (laughs) playing together in a band but it looks like they're exploding in a ball of fire and then you've got a scooter and then you got a van that's <laughs> just getting you know basically just blazing down the road and then behind them looks like it's a beautiful little like uh cityscape um i really like this artwork a lot it's definitely reminiscent of like the star wars poster think... that we see everywhere yeah oh for sure i'm gonna guess that most of these little pictures in between the band members were Late to the songs, because I know the song Fox is about a scooter that one of them bought. Uh, so that would be that scooter thing. I don't know what the other ones are, but <laughs> that's even cooler. That may tie in. Yeah, I'm that's what I'm thinking. Do a little bit of research real quick. I also like that they did a uh, collection of like B-sides later on uh, that had basically an updated version of this cover where they basically redrew all the same band members in the same pose, but like modern day, which was you know, probably 10, 15 years later. So they had like beards and shit. <laughs> like, oh, that's cool. Nice. Okay. I did the research and it holds up. All right. So uh, as far as the artwork, I'm going to give this one a nine. It's really cool looking. Yeah, that sounds fair. Not quite 10, but very damn good. It's, yeah, uh, it is yeah, a band really, shot. It's I'm got kind of like a colored a, pencil almost look. Yeah, it's like a watercolor look almost. Um, I really like the how the yeah, art is something out. like that. I'm not big on band shots, but when you do something cool like this, I'm okay with it. I'm fine with this. Yeah, it's not just a picture. It's not like, hey, everyone just stand around and we'll take a picture of you. It's actually artwork of someone did of them. Yeah. Uh, all right. As far as Penny Bridge Pioneers, um, I think <laughs> that's a tough one. Yeah, I'm probably um, gonna give that one a seven. Yeah, Maybe I like the alliteration. Yeah, I have no idea what it refers to. I guess I, I know is... that's what I just researched. <laughs> Penny Bridge. Okay. Penny Bridge is the town, the city from which all four of them are from, and oh, that that is the that city that's behind them. Hmm, okay. So the connection between that's the fair. two yeah, is going to be quite goddamn strong. But as far as the name itself, I can't say that it's. I mean, the alliteration or the alliteration is really good, but I don't know. If it's the most unique. When I hear it, though, I definitely know that it's Millencolin. So it's like ah, but I don't know if it's the greatest. Yeah. Um. So I'm gonna give it a. Seven. I mean, it does. It, whether you know what it is or not, it definitely is fun to say. Like Pennybridge Pioneers works. <laughs> that's true. It kind of rolls off the tongue in a fun way. So yeah. I'd, I'd say a seven is fine. All right. The connection between the two, I, I'd be an idiot if I didn't say it. it this is going to be like another nine or a 10 for me. Um, it's a, it's four dudes that are on their way. It seems like they've broken out of this small little Swedish town called Pennybridge and are, you know, pioneering through, it seems just like worldwide. Obviously they were huge here in America. Uh, they've made their way onto Tony Hawk pro skater and all these, you know, punk little uh, mixes. It's like, well, why wouldn't it be like a nine or a 10? Huh. I wasn't going to go that high just because, I mean, I guess Pennybridge is there in the background, but that's very small compared to the rest of it. Um, it's mostly just kind of their faces. 
It is their faces, and the, the problem is but the I, connection between it the does two. have them they like the, the band pioneers. and stuff like that. Exactly, yeah. they are the pioneers, and Pennybridge is behind them. And it's like, well, we're judging this on the connection between the art and the name. Just like four monkeys. Okay. Well, all right, four monkeys, and what's on the cover? <laughs> well, there's four monkeys. Oh, well, that's a strong connection. <laughs> Tiny <laughs> tunes. Well, is it Tiny Tunes? Oh, okay. It's the, they make music. And it's based off the Tiny Toons cartoon. That's a strong connection. Mm-hmm. Pennybridge Pioneers. I see four dudes that are pioneers out of the town Pennybridge. <laughs> That's a strong connection. If they were dressed like, you know, Lewis and Clark, I'd be like, 100%. <laughs> I'll give That's it a, a pioneer right there. I'm going to give it a strong fat, yeah, okay, a fat boy I'll, nine. I'll go with you on a nine. That sounds fair enough. All righty. Next, we have my favorite album, Home From Home. Ooh, this is a good album. Good, good album. I love this album so hard. I love the other album. Although I don't know if it's going to get the best scores. Nope. Probably going (laughs) to take a big old duty. Actually, I love the title, Home From Home. I'm really, really happy with that. The art is just basically a red uh, album cover kind of thing uh, with some texturizing. And then you just have an amp with a guitar laying on the amp and then home from home just underneath with Millen Collin <laughs> up top. Um, based on artwork, I'd probably give this. I mean, it kind of looks like, like there's a city in the background again. So maybe that's Penny bridge and they're trying to be like, this is our home, but man, that's a real pull of the taffy. Let me see uh, if I can actually take a look <laughs> the, at some of this album. The guitar art. and the amp really are the focus. Yeah. I just, I can't really see anything at all with yeah. fucking Google changing their shit and making everything look like ass and penises. <laughs> it's crazy how much everything just looks like penises now. Oh, I know. I was trying to get like album covers for putting songs on my iPod this weekend. I was like, this sucks. I don't like this new format at all. It's fucking ridiculous. I hate everything and I hate everyone. <laughs> all right. Um, so, uh, as far as the album art, I'd probably give this maybe a three or four. Uh, it's not horrible. It's not the worst thing ever. Four, but I would say a f- yeah. I'll go yeah. It's four. it's it's pleasing to look at, but doesn't make you want to like. Oh god, you need to buy this, right? <laughs> or I need this on a T-shirt. That guitar and amp. <laughs> Sad because this is an amazing. Really speaks album. to me. And the problem is, is I think we're also like being like we we got spoiled because the last few albums were really great to look at. Um, so I'm going to give this one a four. Yep. That's fine. Yep. That sounds fair. Home from um, home. Home from home. I love this title. I don't know if you feel the same. I'd probably give it a seven. I'm going to give this one an eight. Okay. It's good. Definitely a way above average, but. Yeah. The connection the between the two. Ugh. <laughs> I'm not going to give this a straight um, one. Um, obviously, it's a home from home. Yeah, I would imagine that there's probably some connection. Obviously, that it's a home from home because of their music career, and we're presented uh-huh. with their amp and stuff. And I'm not trying to stretch the taffy too much. I'm not going to give it like a five, but I would probably say this is a three or four. Um, obviously, they're home from home because of their music, and that's what we're seeing here. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, yeah, I, I don't I'll think that's stretching the taffy too much. I'd probably give it a three. All right. I think 
think that's I think that what you're saying definitely makes sense, and I'm sure that is what they are referring to. Is that basically wherever the band is, that's kind of their home. Right. All right. Next album. Oh, yeah. We're looking at an album called Kingwood. Kingwood. I wonder what that's referring to. Let me see. That's where Freddy Krueger was born. <laughs> oh. Kingwood Elementary. Kingwood is in Houston. Huh. Or like maybe a sub really? subcategory of Houston, yeah. It's like a little community. That's interesting for a band from Sweden. Maybe yeah, this is just their favorite stop on the tour. Really liked it. I don't know what it means to anything, though. <laughs> well, anyways, I can only judge it from what it is. Maybe they just have a real big dong. That's what I'm thinking. Got All that right. So, <laughs> uh, we've got the next album, which is this really cool artsy style of uh, all four of them again this time. Three of which have guns. The other, uh, the singer has uh, antlers on his head. Looks like they're going on a hunt. We've got some amps <laughs> behind them with the woods behind that. Um, and then, mm-hmm. like I said, just artsy style way of uh, basically doing the foreground against the background. And then we've got in nice lettering King Wood. And then, of course, their name just barely above that. Um, I think the album art's really badass. I actually like this album art a lot. Um, I don't know if it's as good as the others. I would probably say that this is a seven <laughs> or an eight, though. I like that uh, Nicola's wearing the antlers and everybody else seems to be hunting them. Uh, this is striking artwork. Mm-hmm. It's not too busy, but it's also cool to just like look at certain pieces of it. I would say this is an eight for me. Uh, I would probably go seven. It's a cool art style, and I think there's two things that don't work for me. One, the amps. They don't really go with the rest of the motif. It's like, we get it. It's a <laughs> You're playing music. We don't need the amps there. Um, and the color palette, for me, doesn't work. I like kind of simple color palettes sometimes, but not just white and, like, beige. <laughs> it's not a very like appealing color palette well it's all right to me but yeah i can see where you're you're coming from it looks like a nintendo ds game (laughs) that'd be great if that was a game hunt nicola (laughs) um the word kingwood (laughs) as the title again i don't know what it's referring to uh it sounds like it's a city of some sort i don't know i'm probably just gonna give this one like a four or five though because i don't know yeah, it's not that strong. I yeah, I'll give it like a. Should we go four or five? I'm definitely in that zone. All right, we'll go four point five for both of us. All right. Um. Uh, the connection between between the two again, not knowing what Kingwood is, maybe it's a forest, and that's why there's a forest behind. <laughs> there them. are woods. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say that this so, is a straight um, one. I would probably just go average, maybe a five or a six. I think, yeah, I guess I can go five just because there are woods. Um, I mean, maybe the antlers, I guess. I mean, that's almost like a crown for a <laughs> a deer, I suppose. I have some arrowheads um, if you want to. Yeah, them. I think. <laughs> you 
got any Laffy Taffies, they might have jokes. <laughs> in that movie. Oh, God. All right. Uh, I'll give it a five. All right, five. Yeah, five sounds fair. All right, next album. I don't want is to tank them too hard, but it's not the greatest. Machine 15. The machine is turning 15. All righty. So, I love this album art. This is, it's taking almost that same idea from last time, that white and beige, and now just turning it into basically dark blue and light blues, uh, different contrasting things. A lot more going <laughs> on, though, this time. Um, you've got the band up oh, yeah. there in the top left corner. You have a stereo or a boombox next to them. You've got their name center of the album. But there's a lot of cool stuff happening towards the bottom, including a T-Rex head. Uh, looks like that it's part of, <laughs> a, uh, I don't know what it's actually a part of. Uh, a lot of gears going on. You <laughs> yeah. can definitely see some machinery behind It's like a biomechanical that. T-Rex or something. Yeah, there's a lot going on. you got the, a bus and a plane, so maybe some touring and stuff like that. Uh, you've got, again, that chicken with the eyes. Uh, they're towards the right, just above the end. So you got their mascot presented as well. There's a lot going on in this. I really like this though. Again, it looks busy, but because, or it looks simple yet busy. And I like this because it's two, two, mainly two colors. If it was a bunch of different colors and everything, mm-hmm. it would be a little too radical. I think my eyes would just be bouncing all over the place, but because it's subtle, I, I don't <laughs> mind this as much. Um, I'd probably say a nine. I like that it's like a highlight, one of those uh, hidden pictures in Highlights magazine. It is. It is. <laughs> oh, look, I found the bird. <laughs> um, I'm going to give this one a nine. Um, I'd probably go eight. I definitely like the color scheme much better this time around. Yes. Um, And this feels very kind of mid-2000s. This feels a lot like a lot of the punk albums that were coming out around then. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely, for sure. The uh, script on the name kind of looks pretty cool, so I'd probably go eight. Okay. Uh, Machine 15. That, I'm assuming the 15 relates to, like, the number of years they've been a band at this point. That makes sense. That was my guess. Let's see, when did their first album come out? 93? So, yeah, they probably started in 93, so 15 years would be 2008. Yep. All right. That makes sense. Yeah. So I'm assuming that's just, like, they are the Machine 15. (laughs) Yep. Their band is a machine that's been around 15 years. I like that. Uh, I'm going to go with an 8. Yeah, that's pretty strong. Now that we've deciphered its meanings. (laughs) It's pretty good. Even just the name itself, I kind of just like the name Machine 15. Again, yeah. It's just fun to say Machine 15. Um <laughs> The connection between the two, I feel is quite well, strong. Machine is turning 15. Now that you've mentioned that they've been together for 15 years, we've got the band on the top left and we have this crazy T-Rex machine underneath them. Um I can't give it anything other than a, a, a 10, I think. Huh. Um, well, maybe a nine. I, I think a nine. Kind of, I, yeah, I can't give it a full on 10. Um, it certainly has machine parts in there. It looks like a lot of gears. So that's pretty strong. The T-Rex is also and a machine. I would say that like, 
Yeah. Other than the T-Rex, a lot of the imagery is kind of from their other albums. Like you got the band and you, the, the, like you got speakers and shit. And that, that bus is kind of like you no know, cigar and you got the bird and everything. So it's kind of like they're celebrating their 15 years, you know, in pictures yeah. almost. So that's pretty strong. I would go with a nine, I think. Okay. Nine sounds gouda to me, like the cheese, of course. <laughs> a hunk a hunk of bird and cheese. All right. Next up is True Brew. All right. True the Brew. True Brew. This one is an interesting one. All right. So, <laughs> True Brew, we basically have uh, a white cover again this time we're centrally located with a giant bear head uh looks like a grizzly bear head but it's colored as if it was a polar bear head um i'm pretty sure it is a grizzly though yeah it's that a it polar bear. <laughs> i think it's a grizzly bear um oh i didn't know the differences between bear faces <laughs> i don't know honestly who knows it's a bear what if it's a country bear Just... it's a bernstein bear <laughs> Um, oddly enough, this is the what first one bare that, naked. that we've seen without the actual. Te- oh no, never mind. I can see it now. It does say True Brew also in the background in like elegant, like almost tattoo style yeah. artwork, uh, with their mascot wrapped around in uh, the uh, this ribbon. Um, all right, artwork itself. Where are we gonna? Where are we lying on this one? Uh this is tough because I really like the polar bear. That's cool and striking like that. Mm-hmm. The rest of it, not so much. <laughs> oh, interesting. I don't really like the script on the villain Colin and the rest of the tattoo stuff just seems like filler. And it's just got a white background on a white bear, which doesn't seem like a good idea. If that was just like a nice red background or something that would really pop. Yeah. I think it's above average for me. I'm probably gonna give this one a six. I don't think it's the best thing, but every time I see this album, I always know that it's True Brew just because of that bear head. Mm-hmm. It is very striking. The bear is great. Like, the bear is definitely a cool... It's not as cool as, like, the dead bird, but it's pretty striking. Like, that is something you can have on a shirt. Just the bear against, like, a better background. Yeah, <laughs> It's kind of like that one Iron Maiden thing last week where it was just like, oh, just a black background. Yeah. <laughs> Could have done so many things with this. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's six, six fair. Yeah. Okay. Uh, True Brew. Fair. I like the name. I like the name a lot. I like it too. I'm gonna go with. Yeah. Hmm. I'm gonna go with a seven, maybe an eight, maybe seven point five. Give me a seven point five. Yeah, I think I would probably go. Okay, seven point five. I think I will give it an eight. I like that. That's clever. Indeed. Uh, the connection between the two. Um, oh boy, that, that, I can't think of any, (laughs) I mean, true brew, you start thinking of bear, like some kind of alcohol. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. But it's It's another play on words, dude. True brew. We always think of what? When I think of a brew, I think of beer. What is on the front of this cover? (laughs) A bear. Yeah, <laughs> you're really stretching it. So if you have a speech impediment, this album makes a lot of sense. No, because I do have a speech impediment. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I always call it bears and bears. There's bears and then there's bears. I'm gonna drink a bear you want later. Another Berenstain bear. It's real happy. Beer and beer. <laughs> oh man, that is a real stretch. I'm giving that a three. <laughs> I think just for the creativity of that stretch, I'll give you, I'll go with the three on that one. It just makes uh, so much sense. That was. <laughs> oh, such a, such a stretch. Definitely not. Okay. I see what they were doing the whole time. <laughs> of course. It was so clear to me. They're Swedish. Of course they have a speech impediment. <laughs> they think those are the same word. All right, next and last. All right, I right, we got one more. Is SOS. Um, it definitely has been growing on me, this album. The more uh, I listen to it. I think I've heard it it's once. Not as good as True Brew, but... True Brew is great. I like it, for the most part. All There's right. some good songs. Nothing is really great. Uh, Caveman Days, a couple others. So apparently they decided to make this album art for me. So it looks like a bunch of natural disasters are going on. We've got uh, probably global warming with polar bears. We've got a giant twister. We've got some factories to the left. We've got piles of smoke coming off of them. We've got missiles being, you know, just it, it looks like, it, and then you got to hurt, you know, it, it's just, it's fun. This one's a fun album. And of course, you got the little. <laughs> it's fun. Uh, I mean, you've got. You've got this the, is the Geostorm <laughs> of album covers. Um, we've got the little <laughs> chicken hanging off their name up at the top. Um, yeah. I like this. Most of it's very blue and very blue shades again. of blue and a little bit of white. But then you got the, the bird is there and it's full yellow glory. Beautiful contrast. I love it. Um, I'm going to give this yeah. album art probably an eight, dude. I like it a lot. Yeah, I would almost, yeah, I might even go nine, to be honest. I really kind of enjoy this. You know, I'm probably, let, let's do a nine. Because the contrast stuff that going the mascot's on. there, it just it makes the mascot pop. There's a lot of stuff going on for just me. It's it's a me thing. We got a twister. Um, <laughs> let's go with a nine. Even have a little factory down there with a giant Facebook logo on it. I'm okay with this. (laughs) I didn't even notice that. So crazy. Uh, I think the space needle's in there too. Space needle's gonna get blown up. What will you do? Actually, I want to say this is uh, Penny Bridge again. They have that weird tower, almost like the space needle. Uh, If you went back to uh, the copycats, yeah. Yeah, they are. That's fine. All right. Uh, but ours is bigger. We have a Fuck big you, needle. Sweden, America. America. <laughs> uh, Yours looks like a condom. It does look like a condom. Uh, SOS <laughs> is the title. Mm. I like it. Simple. It's simple. Um, I'll probably give this one a six. It's above average. It's not horrible. It's not the worst thing I've heard. Mm, maybe even a five. <laughs> I'd give it a six. I think it's good. It, it's it's not complicated. It's easy. It's not. Yeah. Well, 
Uh, I mean, I guess it isn't that unique. There's probably a lot of SOSs out there. Yeah, exactly. I think it's good. I don't think it's bad, but I also don't think it's <laughs> That's great. That's where it falls. Yeah, maybe you're right. Just average, right? like a five, is probably good. The connection between the two? If that bird's not saying SOS, then I don't know what the fuck's <laughs> going on. It's very... He's saying SOB. <laughs> Save our bird. There is so much <laughs> going SOBs. on in this that calls yep. for an SOS. The connection is super damn strong here. Um, again, I think there's global uh, warming. I don't think we cannot not give it a 10. Right. you got the twister. You've got the missiles. Looks like riots are breaking out in the middle. It, there's just so much going on. I'm going <laughs> to give it a 10. Yeah, that's that's the biggest natural disaster I've ever seen. And not even just natural. Because there's some fucking missiles. Exactly. <laughs> yep, that's fair. All right, 10 it is. All right. Oh, man, we may have done it. Yep, this this may have done Average, it. Average, Jovern. Yeah. Nine albums. The average score comes up to 7.68. Is that high? God damn. Yeah. <laughs> no one's ever even been in the sevens yet. <laughs> All right. They're yeah. in like the back half of the sevens. I was trying to think of good like bands that I really, really like the art for. And I was going through a couple of them. And I was like, well, that one's cool. That one's cool. And then Mill and Collins showed up and I was like, ooh, fuck. And then I started going through a lot of their albums. I was like, fuck, I like all these things. <laughs> I was like, all these albums are so yeah. damn cool looking. <laughs> They're all pretty great. <laughs> the only one that I was like, uh, not a whole lot of stinkers. Was, was uh, Home From Home, which is really sad because it's my favorite album. But everything else is just so good. I was like, yeah. damn it can't not not do this and they never self-titled anything Mm -hmm. thank god for that which (laughs) is usually what brings them down so much yeah they avoided that pitfall yep that's an immediate one and if their band isn't on the cover (laughs) then that's also immediate one yep all righty pretty bad all right that was that was exciting yeah we fingered that. Well, clown. I guess let's uh, let's <laughs> let's uh, let's do a little couple of reviews. I guess uh, you just saw something today. I did. I yeah. saw a movie the other the other day that's probably worth talking about. All right, sweet. Well, let's talk about both of them. So my movie is Batman uh, Hush, the new the new animated series. What's uh, which one's yours? Ah, uh, the other day I saw scary stories to tell in the dark. Ooh. All right, let me start off first so we can end this hopefully on a high note then. Uh, so Nope. <laughs> oh, no, let's start with yours then. Go ahead. At least mine will end <laughs> differently, I suppose. Uh, yeah, so I, they, this movie obviously is based off the old series of kids' books uh, about scary stories with really cool illustrations in them. Um, really cool books. Loved them when I was a kid. Very good all the way around. Um, there's, there's two different ways you could make a movie like this. Uh, you could do like an anthology movie, which would be awesome. Uh, which where, you know, you have every story just gets a couple minutes. You maybe some of them are animated, kind of like the style of the book. Maybe some are live action. Some, you know, they're all kind of different looks and feels and that kind of thing. Uh, that would be awesome. Sometimes I would love they're that. connected to each other. But, those are my favorite anthologies. Oh, I love those. Where it's just like one giant loop, and you, oh, yeah. like my favorite one is uh, 
Oh God, I think it's called Southbound. It's not my favorite one, but a really good one. Southbound, yeah. Oh I God, that. I love Southbound. It's like one story that links into another story that links into another story, and then it all comes back around to that first story. You're just like, oh my God, <laughs> that was so good. But all right, so it sounds. I like do like that do in that. anthologies, although I. I- I wouldn't want that to be in this movie because they're not no. connected in any way. No, 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 <laughs> like they're all a different time periods. Shit. So but it sounds like, like it was. Yeah, I don't all think connected. it'd really be a good way to do that. Yeah. Well, worse than that, they decided to just just make the Goosebumps movie and just have like, oh, the book has unleashed these things on the world. We got to figure out how to put them back in the book. God damn it. Yep. It's so fucking stupid. So most of the movie has nothing to do with the actual scary stories things. It's just a bunch of kids in the 60s having Halloween shenanigans and finding this book. And then the book starts coming to life and they have to figure out how to defeat the book. And it all has to do with some ghost, some, you know, mentally challenged girl who got framed for some crime. So they got to, like, appease her spirit and shit like that. It's just like, oh, my God, I don't care. I want to see the cool, scary stories thing. That's all I want. That's, and there's maybe 15 minutes of that in the whole movie. It's mostly just, like I said, these dumb kids who were all terrible. Not a one of them was at all compelling. I hated them all. They had terrible chemistry. I did not give one shit about any of them. But that's what this movie's about. Not about the actual scary things. That's so stupid. <laughs> That's so sad. Was uh, did they have to go find Jack Black? <laughs> Almost. <laughs> sure felt like that at times. Uh, yeah, it was just terrible. Uh, I know your favorite story. I remember is that poem about the worms crawl in, the worms crawl out. Yeah, right? that is my favorite out of that book. Oh well, in one scene, there's an old old woman who just kind of off screen is basically reciting it. <laughs> you get to hear maybe two lines of it as she mumbles. Oh, good. Boy, that's really paying tribute to that. <laughs> that's what I always wanted. All right. Well, they fucked that one up, huh? <laughs> yeah, they really did. Like, honestly, by the end of the movie, I was, I think, 85% asleep. <laughs> Jeez. Because I just did not care anymore. Like the creatures, when they actually did have, have the creatures, looked kind of cool. But like I said, there was so, so little of the movie. And then it has the gall to end with like, oh, like some of these characters are gone, but, but like they're probably still alive somehow. We're going to figure out how to get them back. It's like you ain't getting this sequel. This movie blows. <laughs> Damn. They might, though. There's a lot. I think the, oh, I haven't seen any reviews on it, honestly, because I've been like waiting. But now that you're telling me this. I heard it actually got decent reviews, but I don't understand why. It was awful. Mm, It sounds really bad. Yeah. It's just like, it's just like these, it's set in the 60s for some reason. So it's just these kids on Halloween who are like too old for this. And like, I think they're probably supposed to be like 12 years old. They say something about like, uh, like, you know, this was our last year of being children or something like that. So they're, realistically probably about 12 years old there's a subplot where they meet this mexican kid who dodged the draft which would make him like 18 and he's clearly trying to hook up with the girl who's probably 12 oh that's nice (laughs) yeah so that's fun (laughs) that sounds awful 
This whole movie sounds really bad. Yeah. I don't know why they didn't just make it an anthology. That's the way to do this the right way. Like no one cares about people trying to defeat a book. <laughs> that's that's never going to be exciting. Well, I think that's one I'm just going to have to avoid. <laughs> yep. That's what I would recommend because it was not good. I guess the big question is, is uh, this or your highness? What would we recommend? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, very Brady sequel. <laughs> Highly recommend that. Probably never <laughs> going to watch that. Or. Oh, it's so good, though. No, it's probably <laughs> not as good as the first not. one. Definitely not as good as the first one. But I, I, I still enjoyed it. <laughs> Jesus it's so crazy like they did such a good job recasting that movie like nowadays if they tried to do that i'm sure that they'd be like now one of them's asian and one of them's chinese or uh like one of them's hispanic and one of them's black even though they're supposed to all be brothers and sisters so it doesn't make sense <laughs> but they would do it but they did such a good, good job getting people that like seemed like the original actors like shelly long is probably a better carol brady than actual carol brady was Jesus. Well, I don't know if I'll ever watch those movies. I briefly remember them when they even came out, so. I think the only time I've even seen snippets of it is when I went to your guys' place and it was just on. <laughs> that seems like something we would do. Um, Alright, well, my movie was Batman Hush. It was a DC, the newest DC animated film. It kind of follows, apparently... Uh, from what I've gathered so far, is uh, a little bit from the reign of the Superman, which was the last one that just came out from the same like series of these, I guess. Um, I don't really know. like it ties into that. Yeah, it ties into it. Uh, I wouldn't say it's strong ties, but it definitely there's definitely mention of that, um, which <laughs> is interesting. I like it when they do that. Sometimes they don't always do it. I'll tell you that, but I like it when they do. Um, it's cool. It's like, oh yeah, I did see that one. All right, cool, sweet. Um, I hope <laughs> that does seem weird. Like when you're supposed to be adapting this storyline that took place, you know, a decade or more after the reign of the Superman. <laughs> uh, yeah, probably, but who knows? Anyway, so it's not like those stories have any connection in the actual comic version. This this story basically follows uh, Catwoman and Batman very 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 closely maybe too closely for my liking but it also follows this one character hush <laughs> um uh hush is this guy he's got bandages all over his head um and is basically a few steps ahead of batman no matter what's going on he's basically paying off all these villains to do this master plot i don't even fucking know to be honest with you it just seems like all the villains are starting to come <laughs> out of the the woodworks and a lot of things are kind of just going crazy. And and all at the same time, Batman and Catwoman slash Bruce Wayne and Selina Kyle are trying to have mm. a, a romantic relationship with each other. They, Batman's not so much settling down, but now he's finally starting to go. He, he's finally getting the guts to go out on dates with Selina Kyle. And Catwoman doesn't know who Ooh. Bruce Wayne is, but Batman definitely knows who Catwoman is. Um, so... Eventually, they get to the point to where they do find out who all of everybody, like Catwoman and Batman, finally know who they are now. 
Uh, Batman already knew, but mm-hmm. um, now they finally, you know, do the whole romance. <laughs> that all happened thing. in the comics. Yeah, 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 and that's fine. But it's definitely that that whole subplot was almost the main story. There was a lot of just Batman and Catwoman in this movie, um, where a lot of the villains start okay. going crazy and getting all. Uh, wet and wild and whatnot, and it's just the two of them basically just partnering <laughs> up uh, and killing them, or not killing them, but taking them out. Uh, Selena Kyle's definitely more on the edge, where Batman's more or less still that I'm, you know, I'm gonna, I have to save everybody, I can't kill anybody, kind of thing. Um, so he's always yeah. kind of got his eye out on Catwoman for the most part. Um, then the main story is basically Hush. Like I said, a few steps ahead of Batman. For, for the most part throughout this movie. So every time a villain was doing something, Batman would go out and try to take, take him out. But then hush would come in and do something. Um, like for example, there was this huge heist where Bane was, uh, holding some kid hostage and he's asking for a bunch of ransom money. And what ends up happening is, uh, Batman comes in, beats the shit out of, uh, Bane, but the cops have already sent in a drone with all this ransom money, and then Catwoman shows up and steals the money. So Batman is now after Catwoman, and Hush knew that this would happen. So then, as Batman's kind of like swinging through the air with his grappling hook, he shoots. He was already had everything set up to shoot the grappling hook and basically almost kill Batman right in the beginning of this movie, which is pretty cool. I liked that. The animation was really, really cool as well in this movie. Um, I don't know if I want to go into spoilers, but... Did it- did it look anything like Jim Lee's artwork? Uh, close-ish. I don't know. It's I pro- I would say no. <laughs> I, I, it's definitely reminiscent. Everything still yeah. looks the same. Hush looks just like Hush does. He he's even got all the cool like red stripes and stuff like that on his uh, on the black shirt underneath his trench coat. I mean, you see the characters and you're like, yeah, that's definitely Batman. Um, it's staying very, very close to the this DC animated series, though, if anything, uh, with Batman's cowl having that chin thing. And uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know. The way that Bane looks in this movie is probably my favorite way, the way that Bane, I think, should look. It's not so much the luchador mask. It's just a really cool mask that resembles the luchador mask. But it doesn't, I don't know. The, the way it looks looks really cool. Oh, that. Uh, it's, it's. I like the Luchador mask. I don't know. It. It. I don't dislike it, but this one I like this mask the most. Um, and he still has the green venom thing, the tubes coming out of him, and I like that still as well. Um, Scarecrow <laughs> yeah, also looks badass in this movie. Give him uh, his Viagra. This Scarecrow looks a hundred times better than the Scarecrow in Scare, uh, Batman vs. or yeah, Batman vs. TMT. Um, he just looks so goddamn creepy. He looks like a fucking reaper in this movie. He's got this giant scythe. Holy shit. And he's spreading gas, fair gas everywhere. Looks really cool. Uh, the Riddler looks weird in this movie, nice. uh, but not horrible, I guess. Clayface is in this movie. He looks badass, actually. Uh, Poison Ivy's... I don't know who the hell did the voice acting for Poison Ivy, but that wasn't that great. Uh, but she looked really cool. <laughs> um... Uh, Batman was definitely not played by either Kevin Conroy or uh, Troy Baker. I would say if DC is going to move forward and Kevin Conroy does end up stopping to do doing the whole Batman voice, Troy Baker needs to take it over because whoever this guy was definitely didn't sound. Who did they get? I don't. Jason something or something. Hold on, let me see if I can find it really quick. Um, 
I didn't like it at all. He wasn't horrible, but you knew it wasn't. It didn't sound like Batman. <laughs> Batman Hush. Oh. Uh, and then, who? I don't know. Who the fuck did Joker? I'll find out who that Jason was. Jason O'Mara. Yeah, Joe, Jason O'Mara. I have no idea who that is. It wasn't a terrible Batman, but it did take me out. Who? This fucking Jason Spizak, though, who did the Joker, was awful. They tried to do like a Mark Hamill like <laughs> impression, and it just it, it wasn't good, man. He does a lot of DC voiceover work for a lot of oh. like good guys. Usually, I don't know why they decided to ask him. Maybe because they're running out of time. Joker thankfully didn't play a very large part in this, and he looked all right. It was definitely yeah weird looking, but um, but my god, the voice acting for that was just awful. Um, let's see who else. <laughs> Superman was cool. Jerry O'Connell always does an amazing job as Superman. I really like Jerry O'Connell as Superman. Um, uh, oh, see. nice. Uh, Batgirl was in there very, very, just a little bit, not very long at all. Uh, mine's in. What's yeah, that? like the Hush storyline in the comics, like really spans a long thing. Like I, from what I remember, there's so many villains popping in and out. And- it was a whole long ass thing, so it's gonna be hard to fit that L on a two hour movie. That's weird. I was trying to figure out who played the voice of Lex Luthor. I was like, man, the guy's voice sounds so familiar, but it's so off putting. I don't know if I like it or do like it. I just found it's played by Rain Wilson. Wow. I was like, that's such a strange choice for Lex Luthor. It wasn't horrible, but it was like that doesn't sound that is like a Lex weird Luthor. Choice. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to picture that. It's it's weird. Sounded weird to my ear. It's very strange, but yeah, basically. But he kind of, I guess, and uh, and that the Meg, he kind of played this like rich billionaire guy who was like, you know, kind of <laughs> a little bit unscrupulous, I guess. So I guess maybe they were they saw that and they're like, okay, <laughs> all right, well maybe that worked there. But yeah, it wasn't horrible. Again, like all these characters are not in here for very long. Um, I I would say out of everyone yeah. here, the the most amount you'll ever see is Batman, Catwoman. Nightwing is in a lot, and probably Alfred. I mean, Sweet. Hush is in here every once in a while, but it's not <laughs> it's not a ton of Hush. He's mostly playing in the background. Um, and then they've got this other character in the movie called Tom. His name is Tommy Elliot, and he plays as a good friend of Batman's and a doctor. Um, where in the beginning <clears throat> of the movie, basically, uh, Batman like I said, is almost killed because, I mean, he he basically falls from the top of a fucking building. I mean, he should have been dead. <laughs> he fell from the building when he was yeah. doing the grappling hook, and then when they shot the grappling hook, he fell. He fell all the way to the bottom and landed right on his back. Um, so this, Oh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah dude, it was Ooh, crazy. Through that. But Thomas Elliott, he, uh, he is a doctor who does surgery on Bruce Wayne. They basically play it off as, you know, uh, pretty boy, playboy, uh, Bruce Wayne, rich Bruce Wayne gets into a crazy car accident. And that's how they play this off. Um, so it was cool how they like integrate that into the movie. Um, so and we are also getting these hints of this, this mysterious man, Thomas Elliott. Um, I don't know. Do Should I go into spoilers? Or I guess I could just say spoiler alert. huh? <laughs> Yeah, we're pretty much at the end. So if you don't want to listen to this part, you're not going to miss too much. <laughs> yeah, I guess if you're not into DC, this none of this is going to matter to you anyways. But in uh, in the comics, Hush is played by Thomas uh, Elliot. Thomas Elliot is Hush. 
Uh, in this movie, though, they go yeah, a, a quite different direction. Oh, boy, do they go in a <laughs> weird direction. So, yeah, at some point, uh, the Riddler is going off on this crazy car chase, and Batman uh, captures the Riddler and throws him into jail. Uh, at some point, Batman finally starts to put two and two together um, on some uh, some riddle or whatnot that the Riddler left, and they realize that uh, he he puts two and two together, saying, "Oh, you've got to be the hush. You're the one who's hush." And the Riddler's you know talking like, "Oh, how, how, you finally caught on." Blah 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 blah, and the person that he's interviewing is actually Clayface with a radio inside of Clayface's, like, I don't know, throat, I guess. Um, so th- that's when Clayface shows... It's basically like Arkham... Uh, Arkham Asylum, I think. No, Arkham Arkham City, where it was... <laughs> the whole time it was actually uh, Clayface, and it wasn't the oh, Joker. Oh, the Joker yeah. was Clayface? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was almost identical, like, that whole entire thing. Well, that all plays out, and we find out at some point... Uh, the Riddler had a tumor, and uh, he goes to Thomas Elliot because he was the only one who would actually see him because it was some crazy cancerous tumor that he did the surgery on, but unfortunately there was nothing they were going to be able to do. It seems like he was just going to die off. So the only thing that the Riddler can think of doing was going to the Lazarus pit, and he goes to the Lazarus pit, and the worst, God damn it, the worst part about this whole thing is apparently the only way that goddamn Tommy Elliot can actually, or Thomas Elliot can actually apparently do surgery on a brain is by cutting your forehead open in the shape of a fucking question mark. <laughs> so, what? Uh, yeah, dude, this part pissed me off so much because the oh Riddler now has this question God. mark uh, scar on his head from where they did the surgery. <laughs> they removed the tumor. Oh, and that's why he wears the bandages. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? That's the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard. Uh, so, yeah, so, and I don't know what, the, I, I, I have no idea, dude. But, like, so Batman starts ripping into the Riddler. Like, you are, you are, like, a below-grade villain in this city. You are, you are nothing. If, as soon as I tell you, or tell all the villains, as soon as I tell Bane, or the Joker, or Poison Ivy, that you're the one behind this, they're all gonna just kill you. <laughs> So it's like they're making fun of this being even like this even existing. So why did you even make the Riddler? Batman's making fun of this shit. So anyways, uh, the Riddler really for somehow starts. <laughs> Which I don't agree with that. The Riddler is actually pretty cool. I put him in my top, you know, five for sure. Oh, the Riddler is amazing. I, I completely agree. I love I love all of his uh, master master traps and stuff like that. It's very cool. I don't know if he'd be top five, but he's definitely up there yeah. for me. But either way, um, he somehow i'm pretty sure the lazarus pit then correct me if i'm wrong just basically i wouldn't say it gives you eternal life but it will continue you have to keep taking dips into it but it'll basically bring you back to life which is yeah. jason todd or even uh uh razzle dazzle they uh, they all come back to life so basically <laughs> um he takes the dip and apparently is much stronger than batman somehow and just starts whooping the shit out of him dude and I don't understand why or how, but the Riddler has never been a physical uh, fighter. He's always been the I mastermind. I think the Lazarus Pit does do that. Or at least, I don't know if it's permanent, but at least like when it's you first get permanent. out of the Lazarus Pit, you're usually like droid raged out and you're, you're like super jacked okay. up and like that, that, that strong and crazy. Well, 
Batman, Batman says, uh, you know, because he's getting his ass whooped. He's like, I'm telling you right now, the effects of the Lazarus Pith don't last forever. It's just temporary. And then eventually after the Riddler starts whooping the shit out of him, uh, he starts to lose this power, coincidentally. And Batman then starts to kick the shit out of him. Uh, (laughs) So then what happens is he knocks him off of this catwalk that is above uh, a pit of basically just lava at this point or some kind of fire because they're fighting in this warehouse filled with, <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm not going to get into everything, but I've recommend watching the movie, but yeah, he's, uh, he's dangling, dangling off of Batman's grappling hook and the whole building is about to come down. Batman starts to save him, but of course, Catwoman just cuts the uh, grappling hook and the Riddler dies. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. <laughs> um, and yeah, that's I'm going to guess that's not real though. <laughs> uh, I hope not, but yeah, Straight up, uh, that's basically the end of the movie. The Batman, or the Batman, but Batman basically calls it off with Catwoman because obviously she's going against what he believes in, and the two of them are no longer a sure. thing. So um, that's how the movie ends. I'm interested to see where the rest of the series goes because I know in next year they're releasing Justice League Dark, uh, the sequel to the other one, which I don't know if that follows more of it, but I'm hoping it follows the first justice league dark because out of that series, that's definitely, that's in my top three justice league dark is fucking amazing. The chemistry wow. between Batman and Constantine is <laughs> incredible. It's amazing. It's so good. Batman was in there. I didn't know he was part of the justice league dark. Oh yeah. He was at least in this one. Uh, he's the one who actually, I don't remember exactly what happened. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, dead man. Uh, basically calls out to batman and that's uh it was because of dead man basically they he introduces him to john constantine and then they find zatanna and then that whole smorgasbord happens when they try to find swamp thing which the animation in there is fucking ungoddamn believable how amazing and incredible swamp thing is in that movie oh god swamp thing is the shit in there dude oh it's like you don't realize how powerful Swamp Thing is until you watch that movie. You're just like, God damn. <laughs> a God damn, that man. I know he is very powerful. <laughs> he gets a very bad. And movie. he can make little tubers so that he can have sex. <laughs> Interesting. That's the most important thing about Swamp Thing. Gross. <laughs> you can bang people with vegetation. <laughs> <laughs> Even vegans. Vegans can finally have sex now. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, those are our two. But no movies. one wants to have sex with him still, so <laughs> not even Swamp Thing. That's true. Um, I want to. I do want to state because I don't want to <laughs> make myself look like a complete idiot. Uh, I did state uh, a few weeks ago that I was working on a horror board game slash card game, and I don't think I actually put this out in the air, but I definitely yeah. tried to promote it, um, and that didn't. It didn't. Uh, I'm telling you, I don't know what the world is coming to, but. Unfortunately, somebody had, uh, I wouldn't say taken my idea, but it, man, the planets must have aligned because I had a really cool beat idea. Beat you to it for sure. Yeah. The planets had aligned for two people and they, they beat me. Um, everything that, not everything, but they definitely did it better. But a lot of the stuff that I had planned for this reworking of uh, the horror game that I was working on, um, somebody decided to make a Jaws game. And not only does it make probably a little bit more thematic sense, even though it's almost like a monster movie anyways, um, they also incorporated like an act two that really I didn't even think about, but they took a lot of the ideas or used a lot of the ideas that I was thinking of 
And oh man, uh, so unfortunately, I dropped I dropped the whole horror game for now until I can come up with another one, and then somebody else decided to make a horror style game. <laughs> uh, the same the same company, yeah. as a matter of fact, they decided to make a game called Horrified, which introduces all of the universal monsters like Dracula and Frankenstein. Not Frankenstein's monster. I mean, I'm sure Frankenstein would have named him. He would have probably named him Frankenstein. So I mean, let's be. At least nice to the monster. <laughs> I don't think he would have named him but the monster. But not Frankenstein one word. He would have named him Frank Einstein. Yeah. Frankie. Frankie Steiner. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, this is a really cool idea for a game where it's a cooperative game. Basically what I was doing again. Um, but you're trying to go throughout the town, yeah. trying to find out whatever way you can try to stop whatever monster before they end up killing you. Uh, very, very cool idea. Um, I hope that they expand on this. Apparently, they did add some Abbott and Costello cards to it. I was going through it the other day, and there are Abbott and Costello cards. That makes me very happy. Nice. Um, but yeah, anywho. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, just two really cool games that are coming out, or that are out. I don't think Horrified's, I think Horrified, for the most part, is sold out a lot of places. So um, maybe on Amazon soon, if not. A little bit later than soon because it was so big, um, but yeah, there you go. There's the there's <laughs> or go the, to Target or go to Target. You might <laughs> you could have gotten it months ago. Yeah, <laughs> you might find it there. It's not been at the last three Targets that I've been to. They're time travelers. Oh no! Yeah, damn, it's flying off the shelves. It's it just is. flying. It is. Um, anything else that we can think of to talk about? Um, I think that's it. I, th- I, uh, I guess I'll say it is now. <laughs> it, could, it could change, but probably won't. Um, I think for next week, the movie I want to pick is the James Gunn superhero movie called Super. Super. Is that the the Dwight one? <laughs> the Rain Wilson one? Yeah. yeah Speaking of Rain Wilson, yeah. Yeah, that's a good movie. <laughs> I think you might have to change it because oh, I've seen, seen that. It? Yeah, I've seen that movie like two or three times. That's a really good movie, though, with Ellen Page. Oh, nice. Yeah, that movie's great. Yeah, movie's uh, weird, fucked up. <laughs> it is. It's pretty intense. I, actually, I think we talked about it on the podcast like a, maybe a year or two ago, and I watched it like shortly after that because it was still on Netflix oh, nice. at the time. Oh, yeah, it was when. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was definitely like two years ago. Yeah, I've seen it like at least two times that I know of. That movie is. Oh, very intense it's like kick-ass but more gory yeah but more like our yeah <laughs> like more intense than kick-ass i think they came out around the same time or at least the comic of kick-ass came out at the same time as that movie yeah but yeah that's a good movie i don't know you might want to think about well, that's another good. one i'm glad you've seen it. seen it but we yeah, can do it you'll be all this. ready then for the other james gunn related uh movie right burn <laughs> which should be out in a couple of weeks uh, i should i'm gonna definitely buy it and hopefully it'll come with a digital code so i can send that over to you yeah i don't even know anything about it i haven't heard anything about it so oh that was like the dark superman no movie. no, no I, I know i know like what if i know about the movie i know what it's all about i just don't know yeah. i didn't hear any reviews or anything i've just been kind of staying away from all of that so okay yeah, yeah, yeah. Very nice. the, the kid who's <laughs> the kid who's all Supermanish, but it's like a horror movie. Yeah, I definitely, I really liked it. Hopefully, you will as well. Um, so, I think then for next week, then do you want to do the voices? 
What the hell? Starring is Ryan Reynolds. Oh, <laughs> All right, you have not seen it. Sounds good. Can't wait. At least I pull out entertaining <laughs> movies. You keep bringing out these art projects. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds and Anna Kendrick. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Neat. Can't wait. It's going to be real That's good. That's the quality. I can't wait until you start picking good ones out. Even though you did. Super is a good one, but now I've seen it already. I feel like I shouldn't have said that I've seen it. Yeah. I fucked up. <laughs> I fucked up. Now i got to watch you it. Might- farty movie i like the voices a farty movie thing <laughs> in a weird way it kind of reminds me of something else we've been watching recently but i won't tell you until we talk about it i don't know what the hell i've been watching <laughs> well we'll find out i guess so all right cool well this has been another amazing episode from the original janksters i am peter jank that is kevin jank and as always remember to flip that tip and have a great rest of your weekend and let the crows fly and let the fish dive and at the end of the night eat yourself a massive burrito hamburger bye everybody Drop the gun, the water, the